This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak. We profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. And if you found this show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. If you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk and me, Adam Stack. And today's guests are Mark Jardine and Paul Haddad, founders of TapBots. Enjoy the show. I'm here with Mark Jardine and Paul Haddad. They are the founders of TapBots, and I am so stoked to have them on the show. Uh, those of you who are listening have been asking for me to get with people who are doing awesome stuff in mobile, and the first company that came to mind was, was TapBots. So thanks for coming on the show, guys. Please say hello. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. So I'm not sure I'm not sure which one you guys want to go first, but I'd love to get a little bit of the backstory. I know that on your website you talk about the story of TapBots and how you guys got formed, but what's the backstory? How did you guys meet? Well, we were uh, both working at uh, Oakley at the time. Um, actually, Mark was working there. I was just a consultant. Uh, I'm out here in Dallas, and he's uh, he was out in the L.A. area at the time, Orange County. And we were, um, I, you know, I think we kind of decided to uh, do something while we were working on this uh, really horrible project. Um, we were both uh, working on the weekends. It was a, uh, you know, just one of those projects where it was, uh, we're pressed for time trying to get it done. We had people calling us on the weekend, why isn't this done? And we kind of just started talking about, um, you know, I, I the iPhone had just come out. And, you know, we saw a few stories of uh, people writing applications for it. I've been a... Uh, Mac slash next developer for many, many years prior to that. And um, I kind of wanted to uh, try something. And I have uh, absolutely no design skills whatsoever. And Mark's a great designer. Um, so I figured, hey, why don't we uh, why don't we try something? And that's, um, you know, kind of where it started. That's a that's an awesome story. I mean, side products tend to blossom in organizations like Oakley and um, you know some of the I guess bigger corporations of of the world. I'm not sure if Oakley would be considered a big corporation, but I guess it kind of is merchandising, right? Um, yeah, I mean they've uh, they're not huge, and the department wasn't particularly big either. But um, it's certainly not a small company either. Well, before we dive too deep into these conversations, I realized I didn't actually ask you guys to introduce yourself, so I'm not sure who wants to go first, but uh, I guess, Paul, since you've been speaking the most so far, um, why don't we lead off with you, Paul, introducing yourself, and then, Mark, if you don't mind, doing the same after Paul. Um, so I'm Paul Haddad, um, developer based out of uh, a Dallas suburb, a uh, city called Flower Mound, Texas. Nice, uh, nice city. Yep, yep. And there actually is a Flower Mound, so... What about you, Mark? Um, my name is Mark Jardine. I'm living right now in San Jose, California. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm an awesome interface designer who's been doing this stuff, and I make it look so easy. <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, so I've been a web designer for a good, what, 13 years now, and so this software interface stuff is fairly new to me. You know, one thing I have to say that I love most about uh about what y'all do, not so much that uh, Paul, what you do for the software side isn't uh, 
isn't awesome, but Mark, I just love the design, and I think the two of you guys together, which I'm hoping we'll talk more about in this call, just the two of you together get like magic, because I mean, the um, the app I have the most experience with is TweetBot, and you've given me a whole new love for Twitter that I never knew was there. Um, I, I really, you know, we'll ask this later on, I know on your website you say you're not moving to other platforms, but I'd, I'd so much love to see a Mac app for TweetBot, and I just pray that like when I ask you the super secret question, that's what you talk about. But um, I'm in love with, uh, and I didn't know you can actually have a love affair with an application or a piece of software. But y'all have done an awesome job with Tweetbot. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we we probably won't be talking about any uh, super secret project. Not so much because we don't want to give anything away, but because if we do talk about whatever super secret projects we have going on, then people continuously ask us when it's going to be done. And uh, I personally hate that question because, you know, it just will get done when it gets done. And so we'll probably uh, not talk much about, you know, what we got going on. But it'll, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll say that. I do love the, the part on your website where you say, a little bit of patience, please. I'm going to be blunt here. We're slow. I just love yeah. that you're honest about that. Yeah, no, we're definitely uh, we're slow. We go over every screen, every detail, and you know, over and over again until we get it right, and uh, that takes time. And it's why we don't really, like I said, talk about upcoming projects because we honestly don't know when it's going to be done. It'll, you know, it'll be done when it's done. And that's kind of the good thing about. Um you know, being our own bosses, like we don't have to, we don't set deadlines, you know, I mean, we set general deadlines of like when we'd like it to be done, but you know, if something's not done, we don't have to rush it. We're going to just keep working on it until it's ready. So let's talk about uh, the iOS in general for, for a bit here. I know that you guys are obviously kicking butt at it, but I mean, you've got, uh, how many different applications do you have on the, on this platform? We have uh, five right now. And I guess, Paul, at first you said you were a, a Nix, a Mac developer. Did you, this was your, with Tapbox, this was your first reign into the iOS? Yes. Yeah, I, I guess before that, what were you working on? Well, um, before that, well, I was making, uh, I guess I was at that point working on uh, Oakley doing a Rails application. So that was. Paul's web development time. Um, and before that, I did a number of different consulting jobs, either, um, let's see, we did a little bit of Mac software development, um, some consulting for a company that basically will handle anything from web development to uh, Mac development, um, et cetera. And before that, a lot of uh, enterprise-level software um, next at the time was, uh, or not at the time, it was like 10 years ago, was transitioning <laughs> more into, um, the, uh, enterprise side of things. And I kind of went along with that. And Mark, you were, what was your previous history bef- before Oakley and some of your art history? Um, well, I, I went to school studying, um, visual communication, graphic design, and it was mostly um, print, what they're taught in school. And so the web was pretty much non-existent there, aside from a few Flash classes. It seems like a lot of design schools, when they teach the web, they try to teach Flash. Right. It's the natural um, progression from print. I have print. no idea why that's the case. So, yeah. <laughs> but, 
yeah, so I got I started learning the web on my own. You know, some of my friends who are developers they teach me the basics, and I got a job while I was in school, and ended up feeling like I'm learning so much more at work than I was at school, and so I ended up dropping out halfway through the design program and going full time. And I yeah, I've been working at various little companies for about ten years, and then I finally, you know applied to Oakley and I got in there and that was kind of where things sort of took off because it was the first bigger brand company that I could work for and you know I, I learned a lot there. In terms of the startup you you'd mentioned that you bootstrapped this thing can you can you share at all any sort of finance situations or any fun situations about the startup that was you know I guess a, a good story for the bootstrapping world? Um, well I mean we we're working full time at Oakley when we started, and we continued working there until we were making enough money doing tapbots. And I think this uh, we uh, we waited until our second application, ConvertBot, came out and was making consistently good money before we um, left our full time jobs. So um, you know, we never had that. Um, you know, we never had to. Um, getting kind of funding or financing, we've been um, self-sufficient from pretty much day one. And what was day one like, I guess, with, uh, I guess, WaitBot was your very first application out there? Yeah, I mean, um, Mark, maybe you can talk about this. I have a horrible memory. Um, um, yeah, I mean, there there's absolutely no pressure considering we started it as a side project. So we had no intention of making a company out of this or doing it full time or even making money. Like we just wanted to get it out there. And so it was actually a big surprise to us and we enjoyed it like every moment of it. And in terms of getting on the app store, I mean, what is this experience? Like I hear ups and downs and all sorts of different stories and I'm not that deeply entrenched into the iOS history in terms of app developers and their stories behind getting apps on there. But what's, what's some of the history with, I guess what the app store has been able to do for your software, why the iOS platform was was uh, something you guys targeted and thought was really good, and, and ultimately how was income like from that? Well, I think the um, the app store is really good from our perspective because we don't have to um, you know, spend a ton of money on advertising. Um, we don't have to worry uh, about distribution or credit card sales or anything like that. We were able to just put this pro, you know, put our first product out there, Waitbot, and um, you know, it started selling. We, I don't think we even really did much as far as contacting press or anything like that. Um, one of the things that really helped us was that we got uh, featured in the app store and that basically caused our sales to spike and got our application known to a lot of different uh, people who obviously wouldn't have ever heard of it otherwise. Um, you know, I think we haven't really had many issues with the app store. We've had a couple rejections for, you know, relatively minor issues, um, but we haven't had any um, of the problems you hear about with, uh, you know, some people out there where their apps are just taken off the app store one day for no apparent reason. We've had, you know, pretty good um, luck with it, and I think most developers probably have a, you know, a good experience with it. You just hear a lot about the negative side of things because 
you know, that's what, uh, you know, people write and like to read about. I guess I want to rewind to the very first moments. I guess, Paul, you, this is probably more question for you than, than for Mark. I'm sorry, but, um, you know, the very first designs that you showed off, Mark, I mean, Paul, how did you feel about those designs? And did you think for a moment that you'd be where you are today because of some of the artwork and software that you guys be able to create together? Um, well, I definitely thought that, you know, this is um, different from anything that I've done before as far as, uh, you know, this is uh, these products are going to be really focused on a clean, consistent look and feel um, more, you know, that side of things than pure features. Um, you know, I come more from a, a utility side of things uh, when I've done Mac development in the past where you try to kind of get as many features as possible in there. And Mark's um, designs are simpler and, you know, they're more based on making the entire application feel good rather than trying to get every last feature or bell and whistle in there. Um, so, you know, there's, there was definitely a different feel for it. I don't think I saw it and said, hey, we're going to be millionaires or anything like that. I just, you know, knew it was fairly different from what I was used to. And um, I thought it would be an interesting, uh, interesting approach. And I think right from the beginning, I said, Mark, you take over and you tell me how this stuff should look and how it feels and that's your side of things and I'll just make sure that it works on my side of things. I love that trust. It's nice. How about you, Mar? Did you really enjoy that trust that he gave you? Um, yeah, and I think it went both ways and that's one of the reasons why we've been working so well together this whole time is like we, we definitely value each other's feedback, but in the end, like when it becomes when it comes down to our respective jobs, you know, we ha- we know each of us do what we do best between each other, so we need to um, respect that, and you know whatever that says pretty much goes in the end. So, since we're talking about design and I guess product design in a bigger picture, let's talk about inspiration. I know that uh, the very first initial sketches of, of some of the UI that you were doing was very heavily uh, inspired by. I wouldn't say heavily because you didn't say that, but. Uh, definitely inspired by by Wally and Eve and and that kind of stuff. So I mean, you've got this whole entire brand built around robots now, and and it started as this little sketcher and this idea. What was that moment like where you were just, you know, you had that aha moment that this could like start looking really slick? Um, I, it's it wasn't a, like one moment, but it just yeah, everything just kind of fell together it was very interesting and it wasn't only that it was also um the the Wii, the we fit and that was a big inspiration especially for the first app because that kind of took a whole fun factor to even just a simple thing is like you know weighing yourself every day like that stepping on that scale and seeing not just a number but there's an animation and a progression and you and that sort of thing and it really um that's what we wanted to do on the iphone and so it was all about the feel. You know, we wanted people to have a good feeling about um, weighing themselves, something that you normally don't care about each day. And it's just something you do because you have to do it. And in terms of, I guess, the other platforms on iOS, you've got the iPad application as well. I mean, that's, uh, that's for CalcBot. But, I mean, the transition from different sizes and whatnot, was that, was that a big effort for you to, to not only programmatically deal with that, but also... 
uh, from an interface standpoint to like design for a bigger form factor and give yourself more room? Did it challenge you more? Uh, from the design side, it's a very big challenge, and it's it's definitely still a very scary thing for me. So it's one of the reasons why we don't see so many um, iPad apps in our lineup at this point. Yeah, and from from the I, from the programming standpoint, it wasn't that difficult. Um, you know, there's it's a lot of the same code base between, for example, Cowpod on the iPhone and the iPad. They all build from the same code base. There's only you know a handful of different conditional changes between the two, but we do have a lot of custom UI on the on the iPhone side, and we haven't moved all that over to the iPad side, which is another reason why you don't see a lot of our other applications over on the iPad. And in terms of your, I guess, most successful product you have out there, would you say it's TweetBot, or was it uh, another one that, that really took you to the top? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, WaitBot has been out for a while, and so I would think it's probably still the um, our biggest seller. Um, TweetBot is definitely uh, coming up really fast. It's um, certainly had the by far the largest um, first week sales of all of our products, and I think all actually all our products have, um, as they get released, sell better than whatever we release prior to them. Um, so there's definitely a, a fan base that is aware of our applications and grows with each new application. And TweetBot has certainly um, been doing uh, fairly well for us lately. What made you come up with that application? I mean, I, I know that iOS is your thing and all that, but why did you target uh, Twitter client? Um, I think because we both use Twitter clients quite a bit and we weren't particularly um, excited about the choices that were out there, and we felt we could do better. Yeah, I mean, I, I was using um, Tweety at the time, and as far as functionality, I really loved it, but I just felt like, you know, it'd be great if there was a client out there that well, that worked just as well as Tweety or Twitter for for iPhone, and but not only that, you know, it had some more visual flair, and it was, you know, a little bit more fun to use, like kind of our approach to the design. And there wasn't really anything out there like that, so we thought that you know that's a, it'd be a great option, and I think it would sell well. So, when you plan your time, yeah, I know that you guys are a distributed team, so I'm just kind of curious on how collaboration happens. But how do you plan your time from new products to existing products? Like, where do you spend most of your time, and and that kind of stuff? Um, I think we spend most of our time working on whatever product. Um, we currently have uh, in progress. So right now it's TweetBot, and that's where I spend um, most of my time. Um, not so much in in the older products because they're uh, fairly stable as far as features and and how they work. And um, believe it or not, we we don't really plan much as far as um, you know. Sit down and say, okay, what are we going to do? over the next month we just kind of take it a day at a time and um you know get whatever needs to get done done that is wild so you actually had a 1.5 release not long ago um you know i I think one of the things i also appreciate and i'm not sure if you hear that uh 
that car whistle outside. Uh, I guess somebody's getting arrested, not me. So don't don't worry. I'll, um, one thing I really appreciate is the change log, and I know my uh, my good friend and co-pilot in uh, in Rizm Media, Win, just posted about iOS uh, apps change log and the science behind that. And every time your change log is very clear and concise with what has been updated. So I know if I actually want to pull it down or not for my particular setup. I mean, what kind of thought goes into a simple change log, I guess, when you do releases and whatnot? Yeah, so there's no science behind this, really. We have an um, app that we use to track all of the tasks that need to be done. And before each release, they're all everything's tagged based on the version number. So I'll go through and look at everything that's been checked off for that version and see what's been done and pick out all the relevant parts that we should um, re- reveal to the customer what what we've changed in that version, and so that's pretty much how it goes. And we try. We usually, unless it's a very big bug, we don't um, specify which bugs we fix particularly because sometimes we don't know if it's actually been fixed or not. Like we've we fixed it on our side, but who knows if someone else is still having that issue? So we usually just call it general bug fixes, and it, and if someone reports that same bug again, then we'll put it back into our list. What kind of software did you have to build behind the scenes to, I guess, take in the support and stuff? Like, what kind of platforms are you using to support your apps? Um, so, I think for the most part, we use um, Zendesk to, um, you know, uh, handle all the emails that come in and it gets assigned to the appropriate group, whether it's a Tweetbot question or ConvertBot or whatever question. Um, it kind of just, you know, gets sent out as email. It gets distributed properly by Zendesk, and somebody, not me, uh, will <laughs> answer that question. Um, from a development side of things, we have a uh, con- pretty consistent uh, about slash support section that we try to include with all our apps, and that for the most part, we'll just uh, send out the question to the appropriate email address and again, Zendesk takes it from there. We also have a FAQ section um, that's shared between the website and the applications, which is just a bunch of flat files that get read in by the application and by the website and formatted appropriately. I know that product feedback is, especially when you have the kinds of products that you have because they're just they just seem so smooth and so well catered to the audience like you've just done a phenomenal job with you know getting the application right but also the interface and that's both in a design and a function kind of standpoint so i just wondered you know what what feedback does for you in terms of iterating and evolving the products well i think we we read both of us read all the feedback that comes into uh Tweetbot, either the uh, um, Twitter account or the various different email accounts, and uh, we we consider, you know, most of it. There's some things we've pretty much said are just never going to happen, and um, you know, if it's not one of those things, we'll we'll consider it. And I think we both have a pretty good idea where what we want Tweetbot to be and what we want it to work, and so we kind of just match up you know is this if a feature request comes in is this something that you know is going to be useful for other people is it going to be something that 
won't detract from the overall experience? Is it going to be uh, something that clutters the UI or is it something that only that particular person will ever use? And we kind of, you know, both of us go through that. And, you know, if we see a particular feature getting requested over and over again, um, even if it's something we, you know, may not want ourselves, but, you know, it's something that won't detract from the overall experience, we'll, we'll consider it and sometimes we'll, we'll add it in there. And in terms of the future, I suppose you'd mentioned that you're not really going to talk about other uh, devices, but uh, we've got a couple questions that have come in through Twitter, so I just want to ask you a couple questions that are not exactly from me, but from the audience who really wanted to hear more about you guys. So, uh, Riggle St. Peter, uh, Pierre says, uh, do you plan to support Drew Wilson's dialogues? I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but um, we just ran through two episodes with Drew, so if uh, if you're familiar with Drew Wilson, you might be familiar with this uh, kind of new bridge between social networks he has called Dialogues. So I guess what they're really asking is specifically around dialogues, but other types of services beyond just Twitter for uh, for Tweetbot. Um, we definitely won't support other services. Tweetbot is a, a Twitter client. We're not going to support um, directly support Facebook or Google Plus or anything like that. I'm not familiar with dialogues. Mark, do you know anything about that? Um, no, this is the first I've heard of it. So. Yeah, if you go to dialogue.gs, uh, if you want, you can go there now. We don't we don't have to uh, run through it, but it's it's kind of a, a cool little thing. It's it's more or less conversations between different social networks that sort of just get lost in the trudge in the social network because they're not uh, thick enough to to have there. So you can kind of create these lists and do a bunch of fun stuff. And if uh, if Drew were on the show, he'd he'd say it much better. But uh, the shit the show isn't about Drew because the last two were. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to know about that. And they also ask if um, if you plan to do any Mac ups. Like, is that on the road map at all for the company? Um, we're, I don't think we're going to be talking about that right now. We're, we're kind of focused on, on Tweetbot. And um, like I said, I don't want to – we have plans. I don't want to say what they are because then people will continuously ask us when those plans will be complete. And uh, I'll, I'll just say, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say um, we're really excited about what's coming up. Uh, we've got some projects that are getting really close to being in a place where Mark and I can use them. And um, I'm really excited about that. And I think Mark is as well. And another question from Cameron Perry. He asks, uh, he asked it a little differently, but I think pretty much what he wants to say is, you know, what do you think you guys have done right um, in terms of building TapBots to become this household name for the app business? Um, well, I don't think we're we're a household name yet, but uh, you know, if she he wants to call us that, that's uh, that's great. I think um, the things that we've done right, uh, we've um, you know, kind of focused on you know having this brand that you know, stands for something. Um, hopefully when you see it's a TapBots app, you know that it's a well-thought-out app and that it uh, will work well and have a, you know, a good feature set. And, um, you know, we're not, um, you know, we're not uh, trying to go public. We're not going to be one of those companies that uh, 
probably goes with that freemium model where we're trying to either sell your information or do uh, in-app purchases where you buy an app and then five minutes later you got to buy some other part. Um, I think we, you know, we're we're trying to provide a consistent experience so that you know if it's a Tapbots app, it means it's going to be a quality product, a quality application. I guess this question is mostly for the both of you, and and we'll we'll wrap up here soon after this. But when you look back over the the past few years of of Tapbots, uh, and I guess even gleaning past your um, somewhat bad experiences at uh, at Oakley, as you'd mentioned earlier in the call, you know what about your life has changed so dramatically that you're just absolutely thankful for um, with with this new venture that you've taken and the success it's had. Mark, I'll let you start with this one since I've been. I think doing most of the talking. Um, well, for me, I think just the whole release of the iPhone in general has really changed everything. I mean, without that, you know, I'd still be working as a web designer. Paul would probably be doing the same thing. And so the iPhone really um, changed everything it's in the software front in general. And, you know, it's, it's just something that everyone carries with them all the time. And it's, it's a totally different experience than, you know, desktop software. I think this, uh, I mean, the mobile platform, that's what you're focused on. I mean, you've got, uh, I think you said, five different applications for the iPhone and also the um, the Touch. But, I mean, is designing around mobile different, I guess, that much different than websites? I mean, what is the different train of thought you have to take to to do iPhone development? Um, it's, or mobile development, I guess. Well, it's it's all the limitations around um, a mobile device, I think, that really helps me as a designer. You know, there's a lot of constraints. There's already a fixed size, and there's a general look and feel how things people expect it to work. Like uh, on the web, it's almost anything goes, and there's so many different sizes, different browsers, and there's just, there's just too many things that you have to take in. And with on the iPhone, I, you can, I can just focus on design and the experience itself. And everything else, there's already rules in place. So, and I guess Paul, for you, what's what's changed over the past few years with T, uh, with Tapos? That's just something that's got you excited. That man, you can't wait for the future. Or what's just just what's changed with um, this new direction in your life? Well, I really like to uh, you know be in control of you know what I'm going to be working on that particular day, or you know what I'm going to be doing for the next six months, as opposed to um, what I've been previously doing, which is a lot of consulting work where you're kind of at the mercy of a particular client and you may be doing something that you're not at all interested in. Where with TapBots, we've got pretty much full control. We're only working on applications that uh, we're interested in and that we want to use. And that's one of the, the big things that you know when we're deciding what application or what to do next is think very strongly about, you know, what do we want to use? What do we want to do? Because we know that's going to make the product that much better because we're going to want to use it. We're going to make it, uh, going to want to make it as good as, uh, as possible. So, you know, I, I definitely like to ha- be in control of my own destiny. And, and I guess if you had to, and you can go one at a time if you'd like, but if you had to look over the past couple of years on the number one lesson you've learned uh, from going this direction, what would it be? The number one lesson, and I guess we knew it from the beginning, but it, it's reinforced with uh, the more and more uh, time I do this, is to um, do something that you love. Um, 
you know, try not to compromise as much as possible and, um, you know, do something you love because the end result is going to be that much better. Mark, how about you, Mark? Uh, for me, it's probably been um, the fact that you can make everybody happy no matter what you do. And so focus on your core audience and and use your own judgment, you know, as far as direction goes and building software. I mean, we get complaints all the time and we can't, we, if we make them happy, then the other people who were happy before will complain. So there's really no way to, to make everyone happy when you're building software. So you really got to go with your gut feeling and do what you think is best for your software. And I guess you can't really do too much futuring here, but you know, what's next on the horizon for Tapbots? I mean, you mentioned that Tweetbot is in your, in your uh, focus right now and, and all that. Is there an upcoming release or any fun features that you guys can mention or talk about at all that's, that's pretty sweet? Uh, well, we're getting ready for the uh, iOS 5 release, um, and no, we don't know anything more <laughs> about when that's coming than anybody else. But, uh, you know, we're getting some features ready that are specific to iOS 5 and kind of just waiting for somebody to announce some date uh, that, you know, we can submit the new builds out to the, the app store with support for that. And then other than that, like I said, we're, we're working on our uh, next project and we're kind of, at least I'm kind of splitting my time between that and uh, the Tweetbot support side of things. And for those that are just uh, dying to start following you and watching what you're up to uh, both individually and as a, as a company, where can people go to, to follow all things you? Uh, I think for me, best place is going to be Twitter because that's the only place I normally talk about anything, and that would be tapbot underscore Paul. And what about you, Mark? Uh, pretty much the same thing. It's just um, at Mark Jardine. And then anything tapbots related, it's going to be on at tapbots. You know, we didn't talk uh, too much, I guess, and I'm kind of sad about this, Mark, because you've got such a phenomenal design talent. I think that. We should also plug your dribble as well because you also release some some nice snazzy interface. And I know that we're attracting more and more uh, designers, both developers, business people, entrepreneurs to this podcast and listening to founder stories like yours. So um, I know that I was I'm following you on on dribble, so I hope you don't mind. And you also have this little video uh, uh, kind of niche that you like to play into, and we didn't even talk about your fascination with BMWs. Yeah, so it, I, I mean it's it's funny because. I have all these little hobbies, but a lot of it is just to feed into the stuff we do at Tapbots, like all the video work. And it's like, I feel like the more things I get into, the more it helps us as a company because we don't need to outsource video to somebody. I mean, there's certain things that we may need to get other people who are more experts. Like if we, but I, our goal is to be able to do everything ourselves. And I think we kind of take pride in that. Yeah, I... I uh, I really like the um, the Tweetbot video that you guys did too. Is that something you did? Uh, yes, but we did outsource the um, the voiceover. I originally did the voiceover, but <laughs> had a few complaints. <laughs> gotcha. And so that's your hand in the video and all that good stuff. I mean, you did all the sliding effects and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is all kind of like a, just a product of of having hobbies and just enjoying your craft and exploring different areas. Yep. I love that. Uh, well, I guess uh, follow Mark on Twitter as well as Dribble, and uh, I think from your website you're also linking out to to your Vimeo, which shows some of the videos we just talked about. But is yeah. there anything else you guys want to plug before we before we head off? 
Um, no, I don't think so from my side of things. How about you, Mark? No, I'm good. Well, guys, I'm a big fan. I know that there's lots of listeners out there listening to this that are uh, fans of yours as well. So please keep uh, keep uh, doing what you're doing because Tweetbot is, is the awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. And thanks again for coming on the show, guys. All right. See you.